Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. Hello. What's happening? Not much. My voice might be a little bit different tonight. Puberty? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. About I'm going, time. I'm finally going through puberty wow. at the age of 53. Wow. <laughs> um, you you, you <clears throat> care to tell people what's going on it's, with your face? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to give you a nasty look, but I see you've already got one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, so the joke, ongoing joke is that I'm not going to shave until I find my shaving gear. But then uh, my wife got tired of that and she went out and bought a, <laughs> bought a trimmer for me. <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> yeah. I was looking pretty scraggly. Like you were looking scraggly. There's like weird chunks of hair that's longer than others, and it wasn't a very uniform beard. You looked more Burt Reynolds-ish <laughs> than you do when you do your Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run. Yeah? Yeah. Mind <laughs> you, older Burt Reynolds when he had the beard, not just the mustache. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're looking <clears throat> full-on Reynolds-ish. Yeah. And my voice is different tonight. Everybody's going to notice because I have a cold. First cold I've had in uh, two and a half years. my mom made me get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've had a cold since the fall of 2019. Yeah. Around there. I think, I mean, like with everybody staying away from each other and wearing yeah, masks yeah. and stuff, you know, kids it's not in difference. school. And but I tell you, if I catch the guy I cut this from, oh. He went that away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's going around though. The head cold is, seems to be going yeah, around. Yeah, quite a few people at work have had a cold, and and so we, it's you know, we, we still send people, and it's like, no, you can't yeah. even have the sniffles at work. Just go home. Like, well, that's what the first. Did you test? Yes, I did. Yeah, t- I actually, tested I, this yeah. morning. I've tested yesterday morning. I tested yeah. last night. I tested tonight. Up, 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 up. And I've been negative. And it's been negatory, Rory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not fun sticking those things up my nose. Nope. Ah. I think it's fun sticking them up your nose. Give me another one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my kids hate it. Yeah. They squeal and scream, and they're not happy. So I've always been prone to sinus migraines and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I went to this one um, specialist. I guess he was like an ear, nose, throat guy. Yeah. And that's one of the things. He's, oh, I'm just going to stick this little camera up your nose to take a peek. I think he was looking out my butt. <laughs> how far are you going? <laughs> I was, uh, kind of my question was, how far is that camera going? You shoved it so far up my nose, you can see into next week. But yeah, I yeah, I don't even stick my finger up my nose. What's <laughs> a camera? Yeah, I know, right? Or a, a, a how yeah. far are you going with that thing? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, now everybody's got to do it, and you know what? That and that's if that's. What it takes to keep your days going, and when you get the sniffles, then you do it and just get it over with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say something. I can't remember what. My grandma used to say, "If you can't remember, it must have been a lie." My grandma used to say, "If you can't say anything nice, shut up." <laughs> so I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. <laughs> 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 um stop getting naked oh yes stop getting naked just gonna jump right into it here because there's <laughs> real i've just been so busy at work there's nothing else going yeah. on just how work, do you how do you segue work, work, into that work 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 <laughs> there is no speaking of getting naked <laughs> <laughs> stop getting naked in public paddlers are being told over in england so this is they, they this article here is about England, but anybody who's ever gone like you know scuba diving, kayaking, canoeing, whatever. If you're coming back from you're uh, coming back to put you know leave the water and just like well I'm not going to sit on my seat with my wet trunks or whatever, right? So people get changed, but uh, I've seen a lot of people do it. Like when we used to scuba dive a lot, we'd we'd uh, wrap a towel around us or or somebody would screen you off and you'd switch, change behind the towel. But apparently, according to the story that Sean found, these people just don't give a hoot and they're yeah. just uh, all in their glory in the parking lot. Maybe we're just prude paddlers. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So <laughs> visitors English countryside uh, will be hoping to see nature in its glory, but the bare bottom of a canoeist might be one natural wonder they could go without. <laughs> <laughs> a growing number of paddlers flocking to Britain's waterways has prompted new official guidance on how they should behave. They have a code of outdoor conduct. 
Yeah. Apparently. And it goes into all these different, like not just paddling. It goes into hiking, horseback riding, yes, yeah. camping, and this, this outdoor code of conduct, um, including avoiding scandalizing passing ramblers when changing in public. Yeah. An official paddler's code for England set to be launched in the summer will advise canoeists, kayakers, and set up paddle boarders how to protect wildlife and spot pollution. Uh, it is also the first addition to the new Countryside Code, relaunched last year with advice for visitors and landowners to try smiling each other to diffuse tensions. I think that would freak me out. It's like everybody that passed me with a big grin on their big old like, grin. what is he up to? He's going to stab <laughs> me. <laughs> so Ben Seal, the head of Access and Environment of British Canoeing, said, we want to create a consistent set of words that can be used all over and can inform paddling community about our behavior, environmental protection, and safety. The code includes advice for paddlers to change in discreet and considerate way and to park respectfully without blocking narrow roads, gates, or driveways. If you go paddling, there's no changing rooms all over the place, right? And so people get changed in their car, behind their car, behind a bush. It's about being respectful of local residents and anyone who passes by. Which is, yeah, like... yeah. Hide in the bushes. Get changed in the bushes. Get changed in the bushes or, mm-hmm. or you know, open your car, your two car doors and change between them sort yeah, of deal when there's something. no one around. Yeah. But it sounds like these people are just standing out in the middle of a parking yeah. lot going, Yahoo! Hey, everybody! Yeah, I can't say I've ever seen anybody do that. So what's more disturbing is what's next in your article. That I find more disturbing. Counselors in Devon reveal they have been contacted by locals witnessing a growing number of kayakers and swimmers stripping off to use the river. With one saying she has never seen so many naked people. They get out of their cars, get changed into their wetsuits on the pavement. If you're walking out your front door, that's not what you want to see. No. So I was coming to my house today, looking at my river, <laughs> and across the street was naked people. <laughs> naked people, as far as the eye could see. <laughs> but this is the part. Another counselor has had all sorts of wild videos sent to them. And they say, it's getting warmer, so I imagine there will be more naked bodies. So if you're so disturbed, why are you videoing it? Why are you taking videos of half-naked people in a parking lot? Well, I figure make some money off of it. <laughs> on one hand, you're... Not enough people are seeing this. I need to share it on video. I need to get a video of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the disturbing part. Sure, <laughs> people are changing. They shouldn't be doing that. But you, should you be videoing them? Well, right? I, that would, I'd be more disturbed by somebody watching me do it. Yeah. Stop watching Just, me. <laughs> if I'm funding you, turn around. I'd be standing there stark naked with my arms up in the air. Face what? Around. What? What are you looking at? <laughs> you never seen a wiener before? <laughs> what? What? What you looking at? Put that camera away, Grandma. <laughs> uh, canoeists are pushing for greater access to waterways with just 4% of England's rivers open to public. Paddlers can end up clashing with landowners and anglers who argue that they disturb fish and damage habitats. By being naked? <laughs> I don't know, but how many fights are breaking out where a landowner is getting to a tussle with a new dude? <laughs> can I put my clothes on for you and wrestle with me, please? Before we get in a fist fight. <laughs> I'd like to put some pants on. <laughs> I don't mind. Listen, dude, I'm not going to fight you until you're unnaked. <laughs> You're either getting your clothes on or I'm taking mine off and that'll be awkward. <laughs> Do you want to go canoeing in uh, in uh, England? No. No. Just no. Because no. things could happen. <laughs> How was your trip? I'm not talking about it. <laughs> it was awkward. It was awkward. I think I'm married now. <laughs> I think I'm married now. I, I don't think I'm allowed back. <laughs> Oh, man, that could take a turn for the worse so fast. I know, right? So fast. <laughs> and in the news today. <laughs> there's two. 
<laughs> a homeowner and a naked paddler were wrestling. Hello, in the Canadian lot. Embassy. Yeah, <laughs> I need help. <laughs> Come get me. I was told to phone you. I might need a lawyer. <laughs> well, I'll explain what happened, but you can probably see it on the news or YouTube yes, or exactly. Pornhub. <laughs> or Pornhub. <laughs> sure. Um, speaking of leaving the country, preferably not nude. <laughs> So during the past two years of people not being able to head south to the tropical climes of Cancun, Mexico, uh, Jamaica, the Dominican, uh, Cuba, those are the top four that most people hit, is it not? Mexi- yeah, pretty Mexico, much. Cuba, yeah, Dominican, Cuba, Mexico, Jamaica. Dominica, Jamaica, yes, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. The staycation has become popular because absolutely you had no choice. Keep your receipts mm-hmm. if you canoe or camp or travel or do anything in, in Ontario. Ontario. Yep. In Ontario. A lot of people invested in camping gear, canoes, kayaks, stand-up paddleboards, yeah. that sort of thing. Now that people are able to head south again, the price of gas is over two bucks a liter in Ontario. I paid two oh five. Yeah. My hundred and fifty dollar fill up. For a full tank of gas, no longer exists. <laughs> My 150 now gets me half a tank. Yeah. That's going to be brutal. Well, I remember oh, just a couple of years ago and, and uh, you know, you, when you turn on the pump, it gives you an option, 50, 100, 150. I think, what, about four years ago, the most you could get was like 100 bucks or 150. And at the time, I'm thinking, oh, if I had a big tank, that'd be... Mm-hmm. So now I'm seeing all the pumps now, you can go up to 250 per fill. They're going to up. They're going to have to increase yeah. that. If I if I do the pay, pay the pump thing, yeah. I can't if I'm doing a total fill up. Yeah. Because it's going to cost me over 300 bucks. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I've... In, in my motorhome, I uh, I went and got gas one time. It was when gas was starting to get more expensive. And I had to fill it up. It was a long trip. And uh, I had to uh, swipe my card twice because mm-hmm. I maxed it out at like a, whatever, 150 or whatever it was. And then I had to, it wouldn't let me have any more. So I had to start all over again, card, pin number, and uh, start filling again. It's like. Anybody that drives motor, like all these people that are driving now. Yeah. They, you know, um. Like take for instance, like a, a car racer. Yeah, they oh, go from race yeah. to race to race, and they got their big motor home pulling their car and all that. It's got to make a big dent I, in your finances. It, it really does, yeah. unless you are sponsored big time. Yeah, I don't exactly. think you can, you can afford like these these non sponsored people that are trying to break into it. I got to think yeah. a lot of them are going to get their their asses handed to them well, because they can't afford to do it anymore. And it's not just that. Like uh, anybody who transport trucks, people who haul goods. Like a lot of these own guys own their own trucks and stuff, own right? Own their own trucks. The gas is their responsibility. Yep. And so, you know, like maybe you you brought in like $150,000 that year, but your take home at the end of the day, at the end of the year, your total take home was like 15 grand. Like I, I was I was uh, reading a study there the other day where these people were interviewed and it's like, yeah, that's just fuel is a huge chunk. Mm-hmm. And if you blow an engine or you need new tires, it's like that all cuts into that profit. So yeah. fuel is just insane. Like if you're a delivery person or if you're a taxi cab driver or whatever, it's like people who drive for a living, this has got to hurt. Well, you, you see the Facebook posts from Swift Canoe and Kayak. Yeah. Another big load of canoes going across the country or down to the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they got like 20 or 30 canoes on a trailer yeah. being pulled and he's got to drive all over the, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got to add to the bottom line. Oh right? man. Big time. Absolutely. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Uh, so I was just kind of curious if, you know, cause it used to be really cheap to do a all inclusive down in Mexico. Yeah. It used to be even dirt cheap to go canoe tripping. And that's one of the reasons we did the canoe tripping. I, I'm not a big hotspot fan. I can't go sit on a beach and and no, yeah. If I want a bunch of people I, and we're all going down once. there drinking or something, that's one thing. Or touristing, you know, yeah. uh, visiting places. But I can't just go sit on a beach. You know, if I'm going for a week, one day sitting on the beach is more than enough. Yeah, for yeah. me. So I was kind of wondering: is it cheaper now? Or is is that gap that much closer 
that pretty soon it's not really going to be feasible or much of a difference between going on a week-long canoe trip or a week-long all-inclusive resort down in one of the hot spots. So we did these, we decided we'd do these three scenarios this week. One, uh, how much to fly to Mexico, stay in an all-inclusive resort for a week. Uh, now, when we were doing, I was looking at these um, all-inclusive resorts. Yeah. I did one, I just picked a, like a three-star all-inclusive and the first one that came up with Expedia was uh, Cabo San Lucas. And they do the Saturday to the following Saturday sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how I based the other uh, scenarios on as well. The second one was drive from Toronto to Tomogamy and go canoe tripping for a week. Same same time period. And the third one was driving from Toronto to Quetico to go canoe tripping for yeah. a week. And just see how it all pans out. Now, you based yours on a 72-liter tank, did you say? 72-liter tank, and uh, I'm averaging 70 cents a kilometer. Okay. I based mine on my 132-liter tank in my truck. Uh, And it's also, right now, it's 205 a liter for gas, uh, 205 Canadian a liter for gas. And I've seen it as high up as 210. You said you're... Brother, out west. Yeah, out in uh, on Vancouver Island. But uh, two thirty five. Two dollars thirty five cents yeah, for regular for fuel. a liter of yeah. gas. It's yeah, this crazy. isn't the Supreme or the, the <laughs> yeah. high yeah, great cheap stuff. The great yeah. nine nine dollars <laughs> a liter stuff anymore. Yeah, even diesel's more expensive too, right? It's like wow. Yeah, glad I don't have a diesel truck. Uh, another piece was two people. So that way, because if you're going to an all-inclusive, the one, actually the one I chose was adults only. So it's not like you're yeah. bringing your kids, right? A week, Saturday to the following Saturday. And mileage, I just based on the Google Maps distances mm-hmm. to these places. All-inclusive for Cancun actually has gone up as well. And you have to think because of the airline fuel. Well, yeah. that's right? gotta, it, So that's going yeah. to go up. And they know people want to go now, so they're going to get that extra bit of money. Right. Yeah. There's there's so, there's more demand, so yeah. the the discounts are not there currently. Yeah. So based on no discounts or anything right now, it's thirty four hundred dollars for two people to go to Cancun, uh, this this re- this place for for a week. Now, if they were offering discounts and all that sort of stuff, you might yeah, <clears throat> but you know it wouldn't be quite that high. And so I and you so you looked at a four star. I just went to Sunwink because that's yeah. the the Canadian uh, cheap uh, uh, vacation place. Yeah, so, that's how we used to yeah. do in college. We used to go with them. So these are priced for two. This is like uh, Veradero thirty three hundred, uh, Taxpun uh, twenty nine eighty, uh, Veradero again twenty nine eighty. So it's all up there. There's the, three grand. Yeah, it's all about three grand or yep. more. Yep. So you're looking at three grand to head to a hot spot. Yeah. Okay. Tomogamy. It's about 950 kilometers round trip to Moat Landing. 36.73 a night per campsite, which is like 260 bucks. Yep. My truck would be approximately 280 bucks in gas. Your car would be what? Uh, it'd be. I had it here somewhere, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it'd be slightly different. So, it, it, what, 70 cents a kilometer, mm-hmm. right? So, I, what I do, uh, 950 round trip. Yeah. I don't even have, oh, where's my calculator? There it is. So, 950, welcome to math class, folks. <laughs> Let's see if I can open my phone here. 950. Oh, make it 1,000. It's like 173 bucks. Seven. 665 bucks. No. No. What I do? Just do a thousand. So if it's seventeen cents a kilometer, so it's oh, I a, thought you said seventy. Seventeen. Oh, point one seven. Yeah. If it's times nine fifty. Speaking a thousand kilometers. One hundred sixty-two bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Each way. E- um, oh, that's right. No, no, that's round. Yeah, they're round trip. Yeah. Yeah. And extra cost, food supplies, throw on a couple hundred bucks for that because chances are you're going to have to. I mean, you still have to pay for it. Oh yeah. To buy it, to, even if you're doing the the um, dehydrating stuff. If you're going to fly in 
add $760. Easily, yeah. One canoe, four people will, is yeah. 760 bucks out of mm-hmm. Tomogamy this year. Yeah, so what they do, they can fit more people than they can fit canoes. They can only fit one canoe on each aircraft. So if we, like, on trips I've done previously up into uh, Lady Evelyn Shearwater and, and Smoothwater, sorry, and uh, so it was... Uh, at that time, so this was like eight, ten years ago. It was nine hundred bucks per person. So the guy really? made guy made two flights. It was a long flight. We came in from way below, and uh, because we parked, and we were going to canoe for a week to get back down to our cars, we went up to uh, Scarecrow Lake. Is yeah, that what it was called in Espartina Ridge. So he dropped us into there, and then we spent like six, seven days to get back to our car. So, so it's we actually were, cheaper now. It depends on the. Uh, so our flight was a long flight. Ours was based on distance. Yeah, yeah. right. And he had when they give different spots that they'll take you to, and they give oh, okay. you six hundred yeah. or seven hundred sixty bucks yeah. to fly in. Uh-huh. So, but still, so that's what you're looking for there. You're looking at anywhere from seven hundred thirty-five bucks to fifteen hundred. Yeah. So right now you're half the price of going to Cuba yeah, or yeah. Mexico. So it's still cheaper to go camping, but it's it's uh camp what it is is camping is just that much more expensive. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of they've they've changed in quite a few parks they're coming out with these new pricing schemes and uh, so I think Killarney is doing it this year. Tomogamy started last year or the year before. Killar- no, Killarney's doing the um, campsites. Oh, the different... Yeah, Massasauga is doing the same thing as tomorrow. Yeah, Massasauga is the... So yeah. it's a standard set price, so it's not a per-person price anymore. Now it's... So you're better off going as a group to like Tomogamy and Massasauga. Yeah. As solo paddlers, it's just like, what? I got to pay 40 bucks a night? I'm by myself. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right? But they say, well, no. Whether... For their opinion is... Uh, and what they're trying to... They're trialing it is, uh, hey, a hotel room is a hotel room. Fit four people in there or fit one person mm-hmm. it's still a hotel room right yeah uh, no one's happy about it but. yeah yeah so the third scenario we had was quetico 3100 kilometers round trip to the dawson trail access point from my house 29.94 a night for a campsite so that's like 210 bucks yeah approximately 825 bucks for gas if we don't make any detours but you know you will, because you're passing Sudbury, you're passing Thunder Bay, you're passing Sault Ste. Marie, that sort of deal. So you know you're going to quickly stop. Uh, again, another couple hundred bucks extra for food and stuff like that. If you're not driving straight, a couple nights in a hotel, one night there, one night back sort yeah. of thing, right? Because it's a long drive. At the end of the day... You're looking at about thirteen hundred to fifteen hundred bucks mm-hmm. for that trip. Yeah, uh, that's again half half of going to Mexico. But yeah, still, I mean, Tomogamy, you're looking at seven fifty. Quetico, you're looking at fifteen hundred, and Mexico, you're looking at thirty about three three thousand. Yeah. So it's it's not cheap. It, it's not cheap to do anything anymore. Yeah. You know, like the canoe trip, like you say, back in the day, we liked to do the camping because it was cheap. We could afford it. It was awesome. We got to see places. We could drive anywhere, drive across the country, and you're still, you know, in that range of um, a southern trip. Oh, yeah, yeah. And not anymore, man. <laughs> this is... This is um, I think it's going to hurt a lot of people doing the, the, the vacations. You know, they're talking about doing these, like we say, the, the staycation uh, tax break. It's going to come in handy this year. You know what, though? Okay, 400 bucks. When you throw 400 bucks on your tax, have you ever done a charitable donation on your taxes? Yeah, you don't really know. Like 500 it. bucks, you do that to, and you end up with about $10 yeah. on uh, yeah. a bonus on your What's 400 going to get you? Yeah, not a lot. Nothing. Yeah. You know, it, it, why Why are you putting it on there? Mm-hmm. Don't make yourself try to look good because you look like a dink. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of that sort of thing. So something really needs to be done because you're just going to, you know, people need to get away. And if the driving trips and that are their, their outlet. Yeah. Not happening. People, people can't afford it. We've already seen people on different forums and Facebook groups saying, hey, I've got these 
um, campsites up for grabs. We are going to hit this site, then this this campground, then this park, and this park. Traveling around Ontario, we can't afford it anymore. Mm-hmm. So we're getting rid of our sites, first come, first serve sort yeah. of thing. You know how much is that's going to start happening? Yeah, you're going to see it a lot. Yeah. Idiots. They need to do something <laughs> with that. I'll tell you right now, if one of the, any political party comes and says, we are going to drop that price from 205 to one buck a liter, you got my vote. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> you can say you're throwing puppies off a cliff. If you're lowering that price of gas to a buck, you got my vote. They can't do it though. Throw all, what? Throw puppies off a cliff? Oh, they could do that. <laughs> <laughs> they can't lower the prices. They can do what they want. No, they can't. Ah, uh, they can. It's, it's, uh, what is it? Blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's only like a quarter per, like it's, it's, uh, what is it? 7%? So only about 7% of the money you spend on gas is taxed. Oh, no, I'm just saying they need to, they need to, to reel in these gas and oil companies. Yeah. Every time something happens, Oh, I know. Yeah, but there's... Oh, it's it's because of this and it's because of that. Yeah, there's always a new excuse. God forbid the queen ever dies. (laughs) We're going up to $5 a liter. (laughs) Well, the queen died, so, you know, it's unstable over in England now. So, um, (laughs) yeah, there's a good excuse of the week. Anyway, I know there's more to it than that, but it just, it, it really hurts and it really... And I'm not the only one. I mean, and, and you hear about it all the time now, so... I'm going to just keep doing my paddling as long as I can. And if this involves, you know, the, the minute it starts putting a dent in my driving trips to different paddle destinations, I'm going to get very angry. <laughs> I might have to write a letter. <laughs> I might have to, oh, I'm going to write a letter. Dear Justin, <laughs> how are you? I am fine. Or at least I was until I couldn't go on my paddling trip. Oh, I have to start selling things like the house and whatnot just so I can afford to go paddle tripping. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you do you do the uh, audiobooks? Uh, no. Why not? <laughs> I figured it'd be easier <laughs> than, you know. I tried it. I did uh what's what's the uh, app called? It's um Audible. Audible. I had. You're listening to Audible. I had Audible for uh, a couple months, and uh, I just never listened to anything. Really? And I was just too busy. You know what? The, well, I listen on my way to and from work now. Yeah, my commute's about eight or nine minutes long. So get small books. <laughs> this comic book is brought to you by Audible. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm going to get that guy's voice down eventually. <laughs> so I, I'm i in the car anywhere from 25 to 35 minutes each way. Oh, okay. Right? So I get a good chunk of, of books read. I listen to music and I'm thinking, oh, well, I got the Sirius satellite in the car, in the truck now, right? So yeah. I figure I'll listen to that. and Well, then I got the app. So I listen to all these different radio music stations, serious stations all day. Yeah. So I go, well, if I'm listening to that all day at work, let's do something different. Because you get to a point where you just listen to music and it's the same stuff eventually over and over and you're just getting tired and switching. And then you just end up switching like you do with regular radio. So I've been doing these audible books. Some of them are books I've listened to ages ago or, or sorry, read ages ago. I actually still have them packed away, but I just, oh, that was a good book. Let me listen to it now. Uh, I'm currently reading Hap Wilson's book, Dance of the Dead Men. You have it on is, Audible? No, no, I've actually oh, okay. got you're, you're reading it oh, on paper. I'm just going to point to it, but it's upstairs. Yeah, you're reading it on paper. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I actually got the book. Physical book. From Hap. He signed it and everything. Uh, it's about the tragic Hornby expedition back in 1926, right? Yeah. So i going through, because you get this... You have so many credits with Audible now, right? So use them towards books. Ah, you know, what book am I going to get now? So I'm going through. I came across one called Riverman, an American Odyssey. Just released April of this year, written okay. by uh, Ben McGrath. I think, oh, what's, what's this about? The riveting story of Dick Conant, who over the course of more than 20 years, canoed solo thousands of miles of American rivers and then disappeared near the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Oh, the Outer Banks. 
So Ben McGrath is a writer for the New Yorker. And he crossed paths with Dick um, after meeting and talking with him. He decided he's going to write an article about him for the New Yorker, and he did. And this book is just expansion about the article and the things that happened afterwards, okay. the things he learned about Dick and and everything um, along the way. And the whole mystery is like, well, what happened? What happened? What happened? He disappeared. That's all you find out is he disappeared. Yeah. Right? And do they find him? Do they, were there different circumstances? You can't find anything in any articles or anything about Dick Conant that explains what happened sort of thing. So it's this mystery and that's what drags you into this book. It's, okay. it's based on a true, yeah. guy, a real guy, right? And as you go through the book and you, and even when you're reading people's reviews about the book, there's various points of view on him, on uh, Dick Conant. Some seem as a, you know, the r- romanticized wanderer discovering the country in himself. You know, some people, oh yeah, because... Because Ben McGrath actually ended up following trails to all these people he oh, okay. met, yeah. right? Because Dick would take all these little notes and write little names, numbers, big get business cards of all the people he met along the way, mm-hmm. right? Including Ben himself. Yeah. He met Ben and then Ben chased him down and, and that. Um, others saw him as a homeless, dirty hobo. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah, just a dirty... <laughs> The way he dressed, he was he was overweight. He was dirty because he's always outside. Wore these overalls all the time and, and that sort of thing. Others saw him as a man with mental issues that should have been saved from himself. Oh, wow. And it's funny because as uh, different parts of the book, when I'd say I'm reading, but I'm listening. When I'm listening to it, the way it's going, it almost sounds like he has a had a touch of autism. Oh, okay. You know, like everything had to be, he, he couldn't settle down. Things, he, things had to be a certain way and, and whatnot. There was almost like, I get that impression there was a, a little bit of that. Um, not saying there is, I'm not a, an expert or anything, but to me that just. Yeah. So the writing is good, uh, but it's the whole mystery of who was Dick Conant. Who's doing the reading on the Audible one? Oh, I don't know who the guy is. Not, not, not the, not the, the author. author. Okay. No. Uh, but it's that whole who was he that drags you in to keep you going on this book, right? And um, just listen to the, the philosophies that came out about what Dick thought about the world and why he was doing what he's doing and on different things and stuff. It almost leaves you like partly thinking, I would love to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right? He didn't have any cares in the world. He just was doing it because it's what he wanted to do. How did he make his money to be able to afford to do this? He had different things going on. He'd, he would go back to certain places and he'd work for the winter or whatever, make money, and then he'd be off again on another big trip. So he'd plan different trips along, yeah. you know, all winter long sort yeah. of thing while he's working or work for a year or two somewhere and then you know, meanwhile, planning this big elaborate trip across the country or down to Florida, down through Texas and all that sort of stuff. And then he'd take off for a year or two and then he'd come back. And there's one guy they were interviewing that says, yeah, he'd show up and give him a job, do whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't like, and he was, he was smart. You go, I'm not going to give away everything that's in the book because I think people should, I, I really think you would enjoy this book, believe it or not. Uh, but get the audible version. <laughs> so here's what they say on uh, about the book. Uh, for decades, Dick Conant paddled the rivers of America, covering the Mississippi, Yellowstone, Ohio, Hudson, as well as innumerable smaller tributaries. These solo excursions were epic feats of planning, perseverance, and physical courage. At the same time, Conant collected people wherever he went, creating a vast network of friends and acquaintances who would forever remember this brilliant and charming man, even after a single meeting. Ben McGrath, a staff writer at New Yorker, is one of these people. In 2014, he met Conant by chance just north of New York City as Conant paddled down the Hudson, headed for Florida. 
McGrath wrote a widely read article about their encounter, and when Conant's canoe washed up a few months later without any sign of his body, McGrath sent out to find the people whose lives Conant has touched to capture a remarkable life lived far outside the staid confines of modern existence. Riverman is a moving portrait of a complex and fascinating man who is as troubled as he was charismatic, who struggled with mental illness and self-doubt and was ultimately unable to fashion a stable life for himself, who traveled alone yet thrived with connection and brought countless people together in his wake. It is also a portrait of America we rarely see, a nation of unconventional characters, small river towns, and long-forgotten waterways. Well, it definitely sounds interesting. It, you know what? Like, I think I'm on chapter five or six now. Yeah. And cool. yeah, it's it's at the point where Ben is going across the country and contacting all these people that he got the you know from from Dick's writings. He'd write something on a map or uh, something in the margins of a a page or a book or a journal or something. And then he, so he you know name and a number. He tracked the person down and and he'd go meet them and they'd have a chit chat. Um, and the one town where he was living off season, I guess he was taking a picture. Do you know this man? And everybody had a different view on who this guy oh, was. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's like, said, Oh, that was that guy. Uh, the librarians didn't want to talk about him because he was spent a lot of time in the libraries reading. Oh, okay. And <clears throat> other people, Oh yeah, I knew him as Richard and we'd have a coffee every day <laughs> in the donut store and stuff like that. It's a really cool book. Riverman, an American Odyssey. If you're looking for something to read, like I say, I'm only maybe halfway through it, and this is this this really gets you. I mean, it's a, it's a really good book. So hopefully, I'll be done by the weekend. <laughs> I might have to spend more time in my truck drive slower. I actually got quite a bit because there was accidents. Yeah, <laughs> on the there you 401, go. So yeah. it took me two hours to get home. So I got four days instead of <laughs> worth of listening instead of just one. <laughs> so check that out, buddy. Uh, here's one that's up your alley because you're a meanest linker. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, meanest link trips have already started this year. Uh, the meanest link is the big trip through Algonquin Park, visiting all the Algonquin Outfitter stores. One of our listeners, Michael Burks. He's planning to do the meanest link this August to raise money for cancer research. Michael's dad lost his dad to Michael. Michael lost his dad to prostate cancer. He's planning a fourteen to sixteen day uh, days to do the link, and he'll be doing it solo. As I say, the meanest link is four hundred and twenty kilometers, over sixty-eight kilometers of it being portages. You enjoyed that trip, didn't you? I did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike's meanest link for cancer research on Facebook. So if you look that up, Mike's meanest link for cancer research on Facebook, there's links there with QR codes that will take you to his GoFundMe page and other places that you can donate and such and tell you more about why he's doing it and everything like that. So so check it out. Uh, like I say, cancer research, I know over the past couple of years, everything's been so involved into um, COVID research. That I think uh, cancer research and that can use a little bit of a boost if you got a couple extra shekels. Another trip that's going on right now, the Great Danish Paddle. Have you heard about this one? I have not. So I, I'm just reading it now. Kasper Steinfaff, six-time stand-up paddleboard world champion, says he's uh, he's a self-proclaimed adventure addict and cold water enthusiast. Yeah, yeah, you lost me at cold water enthusiast. <laughs> so currently, he's on his latest adventure, which he's called the Great Danish Paddle. He is circumnavigating his home country of Denmark, 1,400 kilometers or 870 miles on a stand-up paddleboard. Ooh. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot That's of standing. That's a whole lot. That's a lot of his arms are going to be like. It's not like you're sitting on a canoe seat type thing, right? You're no, standing the whole time. Stand, and there's some big water too. Yeah. Why is he doing this? He says he's crazy. I dream. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a nut bar. 
Uh, I dream of rediscovering my backyard and meeting people along the way. And I guess this project is sort of an excuse for that. So he's no stranger to doing this long-distance stuff. He's yeah. uh, endurance stand-up paddleboard adventures. In 2017, he embarked on an 18-hour, 26-minute mega mission through the Skagerrak Strait from, I think that's how you pronounce it, from Denmark to Norway. 90-mile crossing took him through some of the most volatile waters in the world. Wow. Completed the endurance paddle on his second attempt. <laughs> so he didn't do it the first time, so let's just go try that again. So this great Danish paddle, he left April 2nd and is about 50 days into the trip. At the time, he was saying it would be maybe 50, 40, 50 days to do the whole trip. He's already at 50. He's, <laughs> he's at 50. He's about 80% done. Huh. Uh, he has a 14-foot stand-up paddleboard and two big dry bags filled with gear on it. But Casper uh, says it's not a race. He's do not doing this as fast as he can. He is stopping along the way to meet people, do things. And what a great way it is to, to see your country. Yeah. One point he stopped and spent a couple of days getting his captain's license. For what? To do it. <laughs> stopped with these people that do the training and yeah. train and got his captain's license. Hey, so wow, now some, here. some of his uh, little notes on Instagram and stuff are yeah. captain's <clears throat> log day 50. <laughs> now you can say captain's <laughs> log. <laughs> uh, if you go to his Instagram page. C-J underscore Steinfath, S-T-E-I-N-F-A-T-H. I don't know if we can put a link to that on, can we, put, can we link a, an Instagram so. page on Facebook? I think so. We'll have to do that. Uh, there's an actually a tracker in the, his bio link that you can click the tracker and it'll show you how far he's come and where he is right now. So, and, you, and if you're on his Instagram page, you can see the photos he's taken so far and stuff like that. And there's little videos on there saying what he's done. But, yeah, what a great uh, thing to do to see your country, right? I mean, we, we look at guys like Mike Ranta, who's paddled straight across Canada a couple of times. And the things he's seen, the people he's talked to. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the great Danish paddle, CJ Steinfath. He's got a lot of pictures on his Instagram. Yeah. Very neat. Neat, eh? Hey, he's figured he hasn't been anywhere in two years, so he figured he might as well go do that. <laughs> you know? And it's it's he says it's like training for the uh stand up paddleboard tour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All the races that he yeah. does and stuff during the year. It's perfect training for it. Yeah. Huh. Fourteen hundred kilometer training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Become an expert. Uh oh, this one. Speaking of England and over that way, Matthew McCormick. You found this one. You sent this one to me today. Yes. I got, I got rather a, I thought this was so funny. a bit of a giggle out of it. <laughs> History professor at University of Northampton in England. Riding his bicycle when he crossed through Lingswood Nature Reserve. So it's just a heavily wooded area with a bike path. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't alone. <laughs> no, it wasn't a man with a hook hand. <laughs> Also enjoying the scenery was a white, self-driving delivery robot. Its lights flashing, its antenna in the air as it slowly made its way down the dusty path under the canopy of trees. So, it's just, yeah, I just keep imagining R2-D2 wandering through the woods. It's like, I think he's lost. So... In the, he says, there, in this quiet corner of England, it was just McCormick and a futuristic delivery robot alone together for one brief moment, enjoying the blissful sounds of nature. <laughs> he found it quick quirky, so he snapped a photo and posted it to his Twitter account, where he normally shares thoughts on 18th century history. <laughs> the tweet has seen <laughs> been retweeted more than eight. 15,000 times and garnered more than 220,000 faves. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't it? Uh, he says, but, you know, the replies have been overwhelming and positive. People captivated by the little robot's journey, which I think it, 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 most people would. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. it was this tiny so little quirky and so robot, yeah. right? 
on wheels there. Like, and how lost is that little thing? Well, that's that's what they say. The reaction to it has been uniformly sweet. Everyone's saying, oh, you know, Pixar should make a film. Or that's kind of like Wally or something. People are really kind of empathizing with this robot, <laughs> saying that it's making a bid for freedom or something <laughs> like that. Well, since November 2020, robots belonging to the company Starship Technologies have been in the area where they make grocery deliveries for the co-op chain of supermarkets. How how big of a battery is on these things? It'd have to be a good one, I would be thinking. Henry Harris Berland, vice president of marketing for Starship, confirmed that the robot was simply going about his job. (laughs) We appreciate everyone's concern. He was on lunch break. (laughs) 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 So I had to go sit in the park. We appreciate everyone's concern about our delivery robots, but this robot isn't lost. It's on a delivery to a customer. Our robots can traverse a variety of terrain and take the safest and most efficient route possible on every one of the autonomous deliveries that they complete daily. In this case, the route happened to be a paved path through a wooded area in Northampton, UK. Starship Technologies replied to McCormick's tweet from their own Twitter account saying, Not lost. Simply on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I like that was that was a funny little article you came across. The robot was out there finding himself. He was finding himself. <laughs> just like yeah. Just just finding ourselves out there. <laughs> oh. How weird would that be though? You're you're in the middle of the woods somewhere, you're in a, like a little ramble path type thing, and it's like, um, is that a little beeping robot? Well, it'd be one thing if there was somebody around with a remote control or something, but it's just like... It was was autonomous. It was all by itself. Yeah. Just doing his thing. Yeah. Go to point A (laughs) and then come back here. Yeah. And that's all he was doing. (laughs) Out amongst us. It's crazy. They're among us, buddy. They're among us. They're slowly taking over. Yes. They were searching for new ways to find people. (laughs) He's lucky he wasn't eliminated. Yes. He could have been. Little laser beams coming out of the droid. (laughs) When do we much? stop calling them robots and start calling them droids? I don't know. I'm sure when it's going to come happen? soon. Yeah, I imagine good. when they're they're AI and self thinking and self determining and Is that what makes what's the difference between a droid and a robot? Well, I think droids are basically if you want to really want to get down to it, droids is from the movie Star Wars. Androids. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be we we would probably call them something. I don't think we'll if we call them droids, it'd be slang. But I imagine the the name will be something specific. Racist. (laughs) Racist against yeah artificial life. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Intelligence. That's going to show up soon. Give another (laughs) hundred years. Yeah. Like we don't have enough to worry about already. Uh, I found this one here. Eco Odyssey. That is pretty cool. There is a water maze. They, now, they call it a labyrinth. I yeah. call it a maze. It's like the corn mazes every fall. Six one, half dozen the other. Halloween right? comes along and you can go off to wherever and see people grow these Halloween corn mazes where mm-hmm. you can wander through the corn maze. Get lost. They find yeah. your body yeah. when they harvest. <laughs> so about 30 minutes from the city of Ottawa in Wakefield, Quebec. There's a water maze through marshlands with different ways to adventure that you can experience day or night. You can paddle by canoe, paddleboard, or pedal boat and explore a hidden marsh and discover some wildlife. Now, they also do walking trails and ice skating and stuff like that. Uh, But I was really interested in this water maze. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Now, when you look at did you look at it from above? Yeah. Does it not look like sort of a native design of like a, a raven? Like a t- oh, I never thought about that. Right? Yeah. Did it yeah, not yeah. look like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the they have these different water mazes, different things they can do. They have during the day they have three different ways that you can do the maze, and they call uh, the first one is called the Wanderer. This excursion consists of following simple indications, which I presume means directions, on the side of on on the site. In order to con- contemplate all the facets of the labyrinth, on board the boat of your choice, canoe, stand-up paddleboard, or pedal boat, 
You will have to use the adventure map that will be given to you and follow wooden figurines that will guide you through the labyrinth. This adventure is perfect if it's your first visit or if you just want to wander in the labyrinth. The second one is the Discoverer. While following simple indications in the maze, you will have to identify four to six clues in order to learn more about the animals of the region. Aboard the paddle boat or canoe, you will have use of the adventure map given to you and follow wooden figurines that guide you through the labyrinth. The clues that you will have to identify will allow you to test your sense of observation and to learn more about certain animals of the marsh. The clues are not necessary to complete the route. This adventure is perfect for families or just those curious about nature. The third one is The Observer. This gets harder as, yeah, as you go along. different right? levels, yeah. The adver- uh, Observer is an adventure being more challenging. A good sense of observation and the identification of clues is necessary for your progress. So this isn't one you just put your kids in a boat and say, go to town, kids. <laughs> unless you never want to see them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You will need to identify four to six clues in order to complete your, adve- your adventure on Clue Island. Aboard the paddle boat, you will have to use the in- instruction card to find your way around the labyrinth. No map of the canals will be given to you. It's your sense of observation, your critical sense of the equipment at your disposal. They say you get a compass. That will allow you to complete the adventure. The clues you identify will allow you to continue your adventure on Clue Island. This adventure is a good challenge for those who are accustomed to the labyrinth. So huh. basically you have to use no map. You just they give you clues yeah. and you gotta use a compass and out and there with Scooby Doo and Shaggy and pretty much trying to figure your way through the labyrinth. Mm, pretty much. <laughs> so if that's not enough for you <laughs> there's night adventures. Uh, again they have three of them. The first one is called The Twilight. It's finally possible to discover the water maze while observing the most beautiful sunsets. Come observe the marsh as it transitions from day to night. On board the boat of your choice, you will have use of the adventure map that will be given to you and follow wooden figurines that will guide you through the labyrinth. So you're going to see the day birds. Yep. Frogs, turtles, all that disappear, and the nighttime stuff come out. Owls, um, other frogs. You're going to hear the frogs, lightning bugs, fireflies. You know, that sort lightning of thing. bugs. Yeah, lightning bugs, fireflies. fireflies same things. <laughs> uh, the moonlight. This adventure allows you to enjoy the water maze by the glow of the moon. Now, I figure this would have to be on like nights where it's full or just waxing or waning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come and discover the nocturnal flora and fauna of the marsh. Campfire and sweet snacks on site. On board the boat of your choice, you will have the adventure map that will be given to you and follow wooden figurines that will guide you through the labyrinth. So that would be kind of cool to do at night. Yeah. Oh, and all these nighttime ones, headlamps, flashlights are required. Okay. You have to bring your own. They do have some for sale there, but... yeah. And then the last one is the Perseids. This is your chance to come and observe the shooting stars in the heart of the marsh from a boat. On board the boat of your choice, you will have the adventure map that will be given to you and follow the wooden figurines that will guide you through the labyrinth. But this is only available August 10th to During 15th. the Perseids during the, your shower. Yeah, because any other time you're going to be saying, I didn't see a thing. <laughs> 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 but still, like you're sitting there in the middle of this marsh. Yeah. Listen to the, 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 the peepers and yeah. and all that. And then seeing these shooting stars go yeah, by. be neat. Nice and quiet and, and whatnot, right? That'd be kind of cool. So while you're there, they have a list of animals you may see. Because these aren't animals that are in cages or anything, right? So yep. that, And what you see it depends on the time of day, time of year, and all that. Because it's natural habitat. So you might see beaver, deer, rabbits, fishers, coyotes. They also say koi wolves, black bears, otters, turtle snakes and frogs, turkeys, herons, crows, sandhill cranes, eagles, ducks, and geese. So there's a lot of natural wildlife in the area that you have a chance to see, right? Yeah. And yeah, and like I said, when you look at the marsh uh, maze from above, it resembles a, a raven. 
especially the head. I mean, you can see the head, the beak, and everything yeah. like that, right? The maze is made up of 64 intersections that spread out over six kilometers. Totally sounds like a family day event. Take your family up for the day and have a blast. You cannot bring your own boat, reducing the risk of contamination to the Which mark. makes sense. And we were just totally, talking about that earlier totally about the out west and stuff. The, well, the we're going to... Face of species, yeah. contaminants, zebra mussels, and so on. Yeah. Uh, we're actually going to get more into that next. Uh, and you must make a reservation. This, you can't, you, it's probably popular, right? It's popular, yeah. Yeah. So if you go to ecoodyssey.ca, E-C-O dash O-D-Y-S-S-E-E dot C-A. Yeah. So much information there on the different things and you can see, see what the maze looks like and you can see what's required before you go. They have a lot of do's and don'ts and stuff like that and what you can, can't do, what you can, can't bring. Um, but yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. If you're looking for something to do and you're in the Ottawa area. Yeah. Or heading that way and you're looking for something to do for a day thing. I find that super interesting. That'd be cool. And a lot of them are like, takes two hours. Yeah. You got little kids, man? That'd be right up the alley. Yep. Looking to get rid of one of them? Or those? date night. Right up the alley. Kids are with a babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. What are you going to do? We're going to go sit in the middle of a marsh and first dates, man. Taking somebody on their first date. That too, yeah. That's either going to be a bonus or... It's a make or break. That's a make or break <laughs> one right there. First date, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think that one, we'll post a little link to that on our website as well, or our Facebook page as well. Absolutely. So you can take it right there and see everything. That's that's kind of cool. That's super interesting. I like that. Um, the last thing I got here... Which we alluded to. Which, just which you just alluded to. We talked about this before, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, except it's just another thing that's pissing me off this week. <laughs> 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 Everything's just pissing me off this I'm way. so cranky. Yeah. You and your shaved face and gas face of species. <laughs> no free beer while I'm driving down the highway. <laughs> uh, aquatic invasive species permit. So I know this is the invasive species is a big deal. Aquatic invasive yeah. species is a mm. big deal. As we talked about when we, when we did the Trent Severn, we came across that one area with the, was it stone... Stone wart. Uh, I'm totally blanking on the name. Yeah. Stone something, wart something. We talked, yeah, species. there's what, 300 or so different species we talked about that yeah. episode? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to remember one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so aquatic invasive species is a big deal. Oh, yeah. So when you go out west, uh, right now there's, there's this thing out in Banff, Coho. Uh, and Kootenai National Parks. But when you go online, you can start seeing it's other places as well. Restriction on the use of non-motorized watercraft, fishing equipment, and unrelated, sorry, water-related gear, except to holders of a valid aquatic invasive species prevention permit. So pursuant to Section 7.1 of the National Parks General Regulations, of the Canada National Parks Act, the following activity is restricted or prohibited by order of the superintendent. All non-motorized watercraft, fishing equipment, and water-related gear that enter park waters, and this this particular one's from Banff, yeah, yeah. must either undergo a staffed inspection by Parks Canada watercraft inspectors and possess a valid AIS prevention inspection permit. Or comply with clean, drain, dry requirements and possess a valid AIS, um, Aquatic Invasive Species Prevention Self-Certification Permit. Non-motorized craft, of course, any boat, canoe, kayak, raft, stand-up paddleboard, inflatable, or anything like that. Fishing equipment means fishing rods, tackle, waders, boots, gloves, nets, or anything else dealing with fishing. Water-related gear means personal flotation devices, throw bags, water shoes, wetsuits, or any type of recreational gear that comes in contact with water. All that sort of stuff has to be inspected. You have to have the permit, or you have to follow the clean, drain, dry rule and have your permit. 
all water bodies within Banff National Park at all times. Why? To prevent the spread of aquatic invasive species. Penalty. Violators may be charged under the Canada (laughs) National Parks Act to a maximum penalty of $25,000. What do you got to do wrong to get the maximum, (coughs) pardon me, maximum penalty? Yeah. Holy cow. $25,000. Yep. Starts on May 20th of this year. End date until further notice. Now, somewhere I saw a May 2026 end date. What kind of gives you an idea if it's a trial thing? Yeah. So I'm trying to look at all this stuff and figure out, okay, well, what's all this? What's all this? Because a few years back, we did the driving from Toronto to Banff and Mm -hmm. Jasper and then back within a couple of weeks, right? Hitting different spots along the way, paddling along the way. Did you experience any issues with uh, inspection stations or any of these Nothing, nothing. Well, this was before all this, right? This was Canada 150. What year was that? That was... uh, That was a couple of years. That was... 18? Oh, well, we're on that topic. So Canada 150 was 2018. This year is Yellowstone's Yellowstone's 150? Is it really? One of them. I think it was Yellowstone. Not Jellystone with Yogi? (laughs) No, not him. Uh, the self-certification permit. Possession of this permit is a requirement to launch or use any watercraft fishing equipment or aquatic recreational equipment in Banff National Park. Violators may be charged. Permit conditions. My watercraft and gear has been cleaned of all mud, sand, and plant and animal materials. Okay. Drained of all water from coolers, buckets, compartments, and any other items that may hold water. Okay. And dried for a minimum of 48 hours after being used in the provinces of British Columbia, Alberta, and or territories of Canada. Okay, well, I'm coming from Ontario. Yeah. And a minimum of 30 days after being used in the United States or provinces other than British Columbia, Alberta, or the territories. It's one of those things you're going to have to rent a canoe. Yeah. On a cross-Canada trip type thing. You would have to drive across Canada with your canoe, and it would never be allowed to leave the top of your vehicle <laughs> yes. if you're in Banff. Yeah. You would have to yeah. rent the entire time yeah. you're in Banff, or Kootenai, or Yoho, or wherever yeah. you are. Riding Mountain National Park, same yeah. deal. Yeah, before you're going anywhere to do any trips, this if you're going across Canada this year... You better check. Do some research. Do some research on this um, aquatic invasive species uh, prevention permit. Because if you're caught without one, you know, it may be uh, ignorance is not an acceptable excuse. Skitty, but it's, I can see why they're doing it, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. So I found the Yellowstone thing. So, on March 1st, 1872, President Ulysses X. Grant signed a law that preserves the land and cultural heritage of Yellowstone National Park. Really? So, it's uh, Yellowstone is 150 years old as of March 1st. Happy big day. Yeah. Awesome. So, what is the Canada 150? That was uh, Canada's 150. And at the time, what was Algonquin Park at that time? How old was it? Was that 100? I think so. I don't know. You're asking me to remember things, (laughs) dude, that in one ear and out the other half the time. People do that at work. Uh, Do you remember this? No. (laughs) I remembered it at the time. I knew of it, but... 1893. So, yeah, that's 120-some, 130 years old. Is it 130? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, 130 or so. So Canada itself is only slightly older than uh, Yellowstone National Park. Just slightly. (laughs) Just slightly. Awesome. Uh, That's all I've got this week, man. You got anything else? No, I'm tapped out now. Really? I had the Yellowstone thing. (laughs) Well, and the robot. Yeah. Yellowstone and robots. Yeah. That's what you're... But seriously, if you're looking for a, a... I'm sure that book... Riverman, an American Odyssey. 
That would be right up your alley, I think. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. I think he would. He uses big words too. <laughs> big words? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pictures. <laughs> oh, I think there is pictures. Yeah, okay. there's maps and stuff. I may be back in in the in the paperback copy, but I can't listen to pictures. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it makes it hard. If you look here, and then there's a pause. <laughs> well, that could be descriptive. Yeah, no, there's there's pictures in the book, I think, but not not on the audio. Yeah, not on Audible. <laughs> All righty. Uh, if you want to find more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, or Player FM, and also on all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and listen to all our episodes there or download them. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. 